0: It's 10.04 on Sunday night, February 23rd, 2014, and I've had uh, some real serious issues with doubt today um, in my faith. My mom came and kind of opened up to me about um, how upset Larry and Trish have been about me having to basically pull back from meeting with them and their groups from The Rock because I have taken a stand against the teaching of the rock and I've warned everybody that I believe it's wrong. And and that was just a, they're really all challenging me. I've already recorded about this, but uh, I had some more doubts this afternoon. I went to a new church today for the second time and got to meet some really nice people, Matt and April, and um, then Lori and Thomas, and they invited me over Tonight to the pastor's house, Pastor Paul, and um, went over and met some people, and it was it was nice. It was it was it was nice, and I'm looking forward to getting to know the people better. And it's a um, it's a very much more peace-filled church, and it they could stand to have a little bit more enthusiasm about some things. They're aware of that, and they're working on that. But they um, overall, it's just a real very comfortable, friendly feeling church. I'm going to just continue to check it out and see how it goes. This afternoon said, Father, please, God, show me you're with me. I've been begging him, Lord, just to show that I'm hearing from him right. I've been having some fears about, you know, just not hearing from the Lord right about my finances and stuff and just desperate to want to provide for my children. was worried about that today, handed it over to the Lord, came home, ate, took a little rest, read the Bible, got up, went to the thing tonight, was, you know, encouraged just being around other people. And then I got an emergency email from Wes and Bobby saying that they really wanted me to come to the hospital because their little baby who was just born on Friday, David Wesley, um, was having some problems maybe with his kidneys. And poor Wes is just exhausted from three days of being in the hospital and going through tests and Lindsay had real troubles with her blood and her placenta and was bleeding out and they had to give her like two pints of blood and so they asked me if I would come up tonight and I went up and it was just such an amazing evening, such an amazing evening to just be there to just listen to them and encourage them and they're such wonderful, wonderful people. They're just so sweet and, you know, they're just humble and it's just been incredible it's just been so wonderful, and they just have so honored me um, as being the man who's changed Wesley's life back to the Lord. And they they show me too much honor, but they're very appreciative. And I'm I'm like David's uncle now. They've they call me Uncle Mike, and I got to hold this baby, and oh, he's so beautiful. He, God has just done such an amazing job with this little child, and he's such a beautiful baby. And um, it was just so wonderful to hold a little baby again. Made me think so much of when my little kids were little, and I miss them so much. And but I just had such a wonderful time just being able to serve. This is two days in a row. God's blessed me with the opportunity to just love other people. Yesterday, I spent several hours with um, uh, Anthony, who I had met a while back, who's actually a homeless guy living at the Salvation Army, and I just see so much potential in this guy so much potential and i took him out and encouraged him for several hours and he was very very thankful and then tonight so god in spite of the fact that i have nothing continues to use me in these wonderful ways and i just feel so rich i feel so rich being able to help people if i could live in a tiny little studio apartment and just help people how about a tiny little house michael would that work sorry i couldn't resist throwing that in there in whatever way I could, it's just incredible. It's just incredible. Um, I need my basic needs met for my children, but I just don't mind giving myself away to other people at all. There's just Jesus wasn't just losing everything; he was gaining much by giving himself away. And when he says it's better to give, more blessed to give than it is to receive, he wasn't kidding, and he he knew what he was talking about because it does. Feels so, it's such a blessing to give. I'm so thankful to God for this opportunity to be used by him, that's amazing. What more could I ask for? <sighs>
1: uh, it's 1148 on uh, February 24th, 2014. <laughs> I'm sitting on the I've been sitting on the cliff up here at the top of Cecil Ashburn Trail and I came up here today to seek the father to beg him to give me a sign if I was doing the right thing (laughs) I've been so afraid the last couple of days that I've messed up and I'm not hearing from the Lord
0: right and that I'm just jeopardizing myself and my children. I've been having so many just attacks on my mind and I've been confused because the word of God says so clearly that a man who doesn't provide for his family is worse than that of a non
1: believer, and yet God came still and asked me a <laughs> I've been sitting still and I haven't made any money and I haven't been able to pay any child support and God just keeps telling me to sit still and it goes against everything everybody says and against everything I believe and I want. It's been so hard and I've been begging the Lord to please not let me shrink back in faith. I don't want to displease the Father. I've been crying out here for a while, I've been crying out to him, and today I was listening to a message by Charles Stanley talking about wavering faith, I mean, at the very end of the message, he says, uh, that sometimes when the Lord asks you to wait, it takes great courage, when he asks you to
0: trust him for something, and you have to jump, and you have to be willing to take the risk.
1: And ever since I got the core reversal, it's been so hard to trust the Lord because it seems like it was, it was all taken away. It seems like all the words that he told me have gone away. And so I've been begging him, please God, just give me a sign, please speak to me. I sat in the dark this morning inside the bathroom just with no lights, nothing. I sat on the floor.
0: And I just begged the Lord, please speak to me. I need to to hear from you, Lord. And I didn't hear anything. And so I just, I prayed and then I knew I needed to come up here today. And I'm being mocked and ridiculed. And every single word that comes out of my mother's mouth is an intent to prove I'm a fool. And constantly say how my life doesn't demonstrate that that God is with me at all and I keep mentioning, you know, that I'm still waiting for Laura and God still hasn't delivered me and just all of these
1: things and my situation is so humbling, I don't have anybody that I can talk to about it who would believe in me <sighs> because it's like God is asking me to violate his word in this way. <laughs> And I just know that he's asking me to do it, and I just keep begging him to give me a sign, and I sit up here and I listen to those messages, and I decided that I would turn it into a into a message, and I got the video camera out, and I set the video camera up just to film me sitting here on the edge of the cliff thinking about it, and when I got up. <laughs> When I got up and looked at the video it was 9 minutes and 19 seconds long. And I just told the today. I was like, Lord, I haven't seen 919 in a while. I don't know if you still want me to wait. I don't know if I'm doing the right thing. (sighs) I
0: was trying to walk away and leave the trail, and I looked down and saw that the video was exactly nine minutes and 19 seconds long. I just couldn't believe it. I just couldn't believe it. I dropped to my knees right in the middle of the trail, like God saying, I know it's dark, but stay put. I know it's lasting a long time, but stay put. I know
1: it doesn't make sense, but stay put. <laughs> I want to provide for my children so bad, and God has not let me do it. <laughs> I have no money, I don't care about anything for myself but I just want to take care of my children and I can't even send them a dollar. It doesn't make any sense at all but God's just making it so clear that I can't, I can't conclude anything else. I've begged him Lord please show me that I know I'm doing the right thing.
0: Hebrews 5, 7-9 During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with loud cries and tears to the one who could save him from death, and he was heard because of his reverent submission. Although he was a son, he learned obedience from what he suffered. And once made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him. Matthew twenty-seven forty-six. About the ninth hour, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sambaktani," which means, My God, My God, why have you forsaken me? Deuteronomy 8, 2-3. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the desert these 40 years to humble you and to test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep His commands. He humbled you, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna which neither you nor nor your fathers had known, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes
1: from the mouth of the Lord."
0: I just want to make a a quick note. I just ran down the mountain I got in the car it was 1212 12, which is Romans 12:12 12, 12. be joyful in hope patient in affliction and faithful in prayer God has shown me that the last two days I've noticed it a couple of times and also I forgot about the fact that over the last couple of days um, when I've been getting down I have been seeing uh, the number 401 quite often and that is uh, the scripture actually I saw it yesterday and I saw it today and that is the scripture that comes from I'm looking it up right here it is 2nd Corinthians one. therefore since through God's mercy we have this ministry we do not lose heart I can think of several times that the Lord has shown me this scripture when I've been very discouraged and down and thinking there's no fruit Lord there's no new subscribers I'm I don't get hardly any comments back on if it's even making a difference for people and sure enough when I have those thoughts I'll end up seeing 401 and sometimes it's been so long since I've needed to see that I'm I forget what scripture it is and I have to go look it up and then I'm like wow that's encouraging to see the Lord reminding me of that and then one other note is I have seen 404 twice Um, In the last, actually, yeah, twice in the last two days. Once on Saturday, shortly after I finished dropping off Anthony, I spent the day encouraging him and helping him. And uh, saw 404, which is Job 404. Your words have supported those who stumbled. You have strengthened faltering knees. There it is. Your words have supported those who stumbled you have strengthened faltering knees I saw that after I met with Antonio and then I saw it last night I woke up at 404 in the morning and rolled over after having just come home from the hospital to encourage and strengthen Wes and Lindsay and it's like God reminded me that uh, even though I don't have anything and my circumstances are so bleak that he's uh, still using me to encourage and strengthen other people which is where my joy is coming from. He is encouraging me with His Word, even though it's being very difficult. It's February 28th, 1218. I've had uh, a great deal of peace today. After yesterday, I've been able to study good and hard this morning. Um, I've seen 811 again this morning, and I have felt uh, the Spirit regularly convicting and prompting me to, to make knowing the teachings of Jesus Christ, memorizing them as a top priority. For months now I have struggled with this as I've been caught up in trying to learn doctrine and go through the the process I've just gone through of leaving my church and trying to find a new one and continuing to want to learn about all that. And so it's been difficult and it's very difficult for a guy like me who's still so hungry to learn more and more to just sit and memorize things that I'm already doing and I'm already knowing, uh, but yet I don't have a memorized verse and chapter. And so, but there's nevertheless, for a long time, I've been talking about it in these recordings. There's been a conviction for me to do this. It's interesting. Last night, I had a dream that I was asked to speak somewhere and I needed to come up with the verse of scripture in Psalms that says the Lord does whatever he wants to do both in on earth and in the heavens and I could not find the verse of scripture. I didn't know it well enough to quote it direct and I wanted to be able to show the class that it was in the Bible and I was frantically feverishly trying to use somebody else's phone to find it and no matter what I did I couldn't find it. I had like the wrong version of the Bible, I had the wrong app and so it's this nightmare of me not being able to know where the scripture was. I woke up this morning and I said, "Boy, do I know the reason for that dream." <clears throat> it was to motivate me to help me understand the importance of being able to tell a person chapter and verse. It says in John 7:17, 7, and I know a lot of scriptures, but the numbers and, you know, their their chapter and verse But there's a lot more that I don't. I met with a guy yesterday from this new church I'm attending called Grace Community. This guy was able to know, granted, it may be that he knows a certain, you know, number of scriptures um, uh, on certain subject matters, but he knew chapter, verse, and could quote them very, very well, and I was like, see, I need to know these scriptures like this, and almost every one he said were ones that I wouldn't know. I mean, I know they're in the Bible, but I don't know chapter, verse, or book. So I was deeply convicted when I woke up this morning about the dream, and I've been trying to refocus my efforts on memorizing and learning as best as I possibly can. The other thing I want to capture is the fact that I've had these two uh, little personal revelations about what's going on in my own life. One is... I'm causing an awful lot of heartburn apparently right now for a lot of people with me having left the church and my stance and views on things and um, it just seems to me that a lot of people are spending a lot of time talking about me and it just hit me so ironic that I am the guy of the I am the least of everyone I have less resources less finances less better circumstances, less of everything. I have nothing. And yet people are talking so much about me and both probably I'm sure good, some mostly bad and confused. And I'm the talk of a lot of different conversations and Bible studies and dinner parties. And I mean, I'm hearing from people that kind of let me know that it seems like everywhere they go, somebody's talking about me from this church. And I I just, it just hit me. I'm like, oh my goodness. That's exactly what it's true of Jerusalem Jerusalem is the armpit of the world it is the and I mean the armpit of the world not God it is the apple of God's eye but to the world it's the armpit people despise it they hate it they talk about it they fuss about it they fight about it they debate about it they trip over it they war with it they despise it they hate it they shame it they slander it and it has no resources it has nothing and yet it has everything because it's the apple of God's eye. And I, I don't want to dare compare myself to Jerusalem, but I just see this principle. Same thing could be said of the the, the disciples. They were shamed, despised, mocked, ridiculed, and, and they had no resources, and yet they caused so much unrest and tension amongst the religion people, the religious folks, the false disciples. It was incredible. And reaffirmed for me that one of the tests you can know if you really do are you a true disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ if you don't have some people that are hating you that are despising you you're most likely not a true follower of Jesus Christ I mean that is an absolute proof and not because they don't like your personality but because the truth that you share is repulsive to them if you don't have some people that hate you and are standing against you, calling you mentally ill, questioning everything you say, constantly trying to ensnare you and test you and catch you in a you know, a, a trip or questioning everything you teach and all that stuff, then you most likely are not a true follower of Christ because Jesus said, woe to you when all men speak well of you. He also says that remember when the world hates you, he says, because they are all going to hate you because of me, he says, but remember, that they hated me first, you know? And he told them in advance, you will be rejected, you'll be despised, and men will do horrible things to you, and they will think that they are serving God by doing these things. How true is that of all disciples, false disciples? They think that what they're doing is of God. They think they're right, they think they're with, and that shows you how unbelievably deceitful deception is. That a person can totally think they're in the right with God and be just slandering and questioning and all of this crazy stuff. So that's one thought. I'm having a very difficult time thinking right now. I've had way too much coffee and I'm I'm, I'm having a major uh, drowsy. I feel like I have no energy. I don't know what it is. I'm trying to take these allergy pills and for some reason I feel like these allergy pills are causing me to be drowsy and they're not supposed to be. Story for another day. The other thing I wanted to capture is that my mom has been trying to trap me. And I've been seeing that it's almost like how the Pharisees would try to trap Jesus. My mom comes to me regularly now because she knows I don't want to have conversations with her and that we disagree completely on all the fundamentals of the faith. She continues to act like she's wanting to learn, but then she comes to me, she'll bring a passage, a very controversial subject. She'll say, Michael, Michael, you know, I'm, I'm reading this and this just so happened to come up in my readings the last couple of days and I've really been thinking about it and, well, I'd like for you to read this and tell me what you think this says. And this has happened multiple times now. And most often, that ends us up into an argument where my mom says, well, I just don't agree. So she'll come to me. It's 777 right now on my, on my odometer. Thank you, God, for that amazing the thought is that that is her basically the enemy trying to to trip me up, trying to look for a way to get me back into the argument. If I could describe this scenario, my mother fully believes she's right, although she may has admitted she's confused on some things, but she believes that that her and her group are right and that I'm the one that's wrong. And so her attempts are or trying to prove me wrong it's not that she really wants to know what I think because she wants to know more about it it's because she wants to be able to try to show that I'm wrong this is exactly the way the Pharisees approach Jesus it's always that trying to catch him up and trip him up and this is just such an evil I don't hold my mom responsible for this I know who the real enemy is um, it is my mother's fault for participating as long as she has in this but I'm gonna to continue to forgive and Um, be nice to her, and God has just given me a wonderful, wonderful uh, strength and endurance for this, that I'm able to continue to learn and discern these things. I would have never been able to see these kind of things before, but now I'm able to discern motives. I'm able to see what's going on and read between the lines and, you know, take a couple of minutes before you know, I make a, a response, and I'm able to then make a better decision.
1: I gotta drop these books in here.
0: I'm seeing things that I haven't seen before. Here I am, this little no-resource-having guy, and uh, people are belly aching over me. And then my mom trying to suck me into a, a an argument. The enemy always is looking for engagement. If you won't engage, there's no way for him to win. Or to flip you over. So that's the key is not engaging. I'm learning more and more how to distance myself. So how I handled it, it was a a passage of scripture from Neil Anderson. It was about legalism. That you can't force somebody to obey. Doing so is legalism and it won't do anything for them in the way of God. That it has to be a spirit-led thing. You can't just force the law on people. And she wanted to know what I thought about that. And I could clearly see the implication is that she believes because of my diehard commitment to obey the Lord and to get other people to obey Him that I'm a legalist. That I'm falling into to legalism. Not understanding that a person who truly loves Jesus Christ, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Anyone who loves Him, who says he loves Him but does not obey His commands is a liar and the truth is not in him. The difference is... Motivation. So there's two sides to this coin. Yes, if you obey out of obligation because somebody else is holding it over your head and your church is telling you and pounding the rules and that's your desire is to be a rule follower, then you're wrong. But if your desire is to please God and you know that the way to do that and and you want to love God and you know that the Bible teaches that this is love for God to obey his commands, that your desire is to obey his commands because you know that his commands have life And that, but there's blessing from obeying God, and that you are pleasing God. That's the that there's there's no other choice. So a true disciple is going to be somebody who doesn't have to be sold on obeying God. So I could see that she was bringing that to me to try to suggest that to see if I would say, oh well, I'm being legalistic. And I just went to her and I handed it to her and I said, oh, I agree 100% with everything the guy's saying. If you obey God, for it to be of loving. Uh, loving nature to God has to come from the inside out, not outside in. Absolutely agree, 100%. It's 2.04 on February 26th, 2014. It's about 39 degrees out today, very cold day. And I'm out on uh, the trail here and have had a very wonderful, completely alone time with the Lord. Not another soul has been out here. Pulled into the parking lot, only car in the parking lot. I was able to go out on the trail and just lift my hands to the Father and praise Him and thank Him. And as I did that, because I feel such freedom to really worship the Lord the way I want to when I get alone, I know this is why Jesus would regularly go up to the mountainside to pray. There's a freedom when nobody else is around and literally just be able to enter in and worship God. And I just began to praise Him for um, just all the things that He's doing in my life and for making me wait so long and just the continued differences I see in my heart that are happening on a weekly basis where, you know, months ago I would have thought, wow, man, I'm really here now. You know, gosh, God has really changed. And yet there's still constantly so much more work that He's doing and so much more improving in my heart, deeper levels of contentment, um, greater commitments to purity, um, just bigger, uh, bigger capacities for patience, um, just wonderful, wonderful things that God is doing. And I just find myself praising Him and thanking Him that even though my circumstances have been so difficult for so long they have so shaped the person i am becoming and they're ordained of god so it's god that's doing it he just uses the circumstances as a tool in his hand and i came out here today and i just said father i've been putting my eyes on my circumstances lord i need to put them back on you and I just want to tell you that I'm sorry and I repented for any moments of unbelief or doubt. And I just told him that to please have mercy upon me, that I really am just a worm of a man. And I'm so capable of putting my eyes on on the things going on rather than on his promises and on what he has spoken to me. And so I just redeclared my faith in him and and uh, told him how much I loved him and and uh, really just reaffirmed my faith for Laura and it said, Father, look, you know, people are making fun of me. Uh my parents and their friends and stuff are saying that I've told the world about Laura. I mean goodness gracious I told maybe six or seven people and of course I'm sure they've gone out and told other people. I mean and I don't mind telling people about it at all because when it comes true they they'll be the ones that say whoa You know, I mean, if I wouldn't have told anybody and it wouldn't, God would have had his glory robbed of him. And so uh, I do find an interesting note on Laura that's been really very interesting to me is that I have had some thoughts like in the last couple of, I'd say the last couple of weeks where I I have not been thinking about her as much. Um, Obviously, I've been going through a lot, but I looked at her picture the other night, a picture of her and the kids for the first time in weeks. Really almost was kind of like, wow, Lord, is that, do I still have the the desire for her? Because why am I feeling so just content? Like, no big deal. Like, I used to have this, this burning desire for her and very strong desire, obviously. And uh, now I'm just kind of like, it's just been growing over the last couple of months. Just this total contentment. And it's so unbelievably strong that it actually kind of worried me. It made me feel like, wow, do I not like have these feelings for Laura anymore? Or, you know, was this just like, what, what's going on here? And that lasted for a little while until I got to a place where I realized what an amazing just truly astonishing work of God's grace it has been in my heart to get me to a place where I'm that content. I've I've mentioned it in a few journal entries previous that that contentment is now on the top of my list as one of God's greatest gifts in this earth. And people always want things, they want stuff, and they go to God, gimme, gimme, gimme. And I know that God delights to give things to his children because I delight to give things to my kids but I don't give them something every time they ask and I just I see that this contentment he's given me is the same thing as giving me my heart's desire and if you desire something so bad you're consumed with it the only way to relieve that is either to get what you have been desiring or to be relieved of your desire for it (sighs) this is like a Kind of a little revelation I'm having here. And so that's what I see God doing is it's not that he gets rid of. He just gives me a contentment where I'm like, okay, Lord, I can live with it. I can live without it. And that feels so good because I don't want to go into a relationship with Laura like most people do. They go into a relationship because they want something out of it. They want their needs met. Do I want to be able to have my needs met? Of course, that would be nice. Do I want to be able to enjoy and what are my needs? I love companionship. I love having a best friend to talk to, you know, and have, like I could just, I could see myself happier than a pig in fresh mud, having time to do coffee time where we talk about God and our children and our marriage. There's enough of my selfishness that's been there that I'm a guy who has typically been more, you know, needy or at least expressive of my needs. And I've obviously learned how to live without them. I was married to my ex-wife for almost 15 years. So, but I just, man, I'm so thankful. I just, I, I realized that God's timing is absolutely Amazing. And I just, it's so ironic that I would be thanking Him as deeply as I am for making me wait so much longer than I've ever wanted to wait for any of these things. It's, it is, it is, is. I had in theory, I believed in theory when I started heading down this road that God would would only give me these desires of my heart after I got to a place where they were no longer desires of my heart and at least they're no longer kings of my heart I remember Abraham Lincoln is quoted as saying that the only person that can handle power is the man who doesn't want it and I feel like that there is something so true about that and obviously God knows each one of us he knows what our <coughs> spiritual bents are Our dispositions are. He knows what our, you know, quirks and qualms and weaknesses are, and and they're different for everyone. And so he's able to shape circumstances such that they become the exact tools in his hands to shape that weakness, to cut off that square edge, whatever it is he wants to do to form us and make us. I'm just so moved by this experience. I... I'm learning more and more of God's ways and how God works. You know, you can't read this in a book, you can't even get this out of reading the Bible. You, can, you, you really know it when you experience the ways of God that you see in the Bible in your own life and in your circumstances. That's like what Manasseh says. I love that Second Chronicles, 33, chapters 12. I mean verses 12 through 13. When it talks about Manasseh he had been evil in the eyes of the Lord and he humbled himself he'd been taken into captivity he humbled himself and really petitioned the Lord and the Bible says that the Lord saw his humility and basically turned the whole situation around returned him to his throne in Jerusalem took him out of captivity Return him to his throne in Jerusalem. In the Bible, that passage ends with one of the most important scriptures. It says, And then Manasseh knew that the Lord was God. And he knew through experience. Obviously, his heritage had been very religious and he had seen things before and he knew the Lord was the Lord. But now he's talking about a knowing through experience. He began to understand God's ways and that's that's what this has done for me is I have yet to see the deliverance of the Lord or rather the restoration of the Lord. I have yet to see these final huge promises, but what the word has been telling me, God's been pointing me to words that say that I will declare that all of his promises were true that not one of them didn't come to pass and that I will praise him in the assemblies and tell of his wonderful deeds and this is just such an amazing adventure because when God does what I believe He's told me He's going to do, it is going to fly in the face of the doubters, my own doubt at times, and then those who who continually mock and doubt and say, oh, poor Mike, you know, he's trapped in his mental illness that... He really believes God's gonna do a miracle. I mean, this is what people have resolved to saying about my situation. And, and, and the only reason I'm able to stay sane myself through that is because I see this is God's ways. When I look in the Bible, I see umpteen different times. God gives a man or a woman a promise that makes them wait and throws all kinds of circumstances in between the time of the promise declaration and the promise fulfillment and people around him say, you must be some kind of an idiot what are you thinking, you idiot? Get in the real world. And I understand. I do have compassion. I do understand. Because when that's all you've ever known since the time of birth, following God is weird. Following God is, is if, if, the, if the world and the world system and a, a worldview and the way the world works now is normal, then following God is weird. There is no doubt about it. It it requires such a different approach than the typical common sense, logic, you know, take matters into your own hands, plan, you know, fake it till you make it, you're the master of your own destiny, if it's to be, it's up to me, grab the bull by the horns, when the going gets tough, the tough get going, you know, it's so totally different. And God, it's humble yourself, show him the back of your head, he'll show you his face. To go up, you have to go down. To become strong, you must be weak. To become fast, you must learn to wait. To have something, you've got to learn to live without it. I mean, to, to you know overcome evil, you've got to succumb to it and overcome it with love rather than returning it. There's just so many things in God's kingdom that are completely opposite in His ways. And so, I am still... Obviously, because I'm waiting, God's grace has been sufficient enough to continue to guide me in such a way to tell me, Michael, I am going to deliver you. Here's point blank what I hear the Lord telling me, through the numbers and showing me scriptures and in my spirit and the whole thing is, Michael, I told you I would deliver you in the courtroom, I will. You've seen circumstances right now that look like the whole thing's been reversed, but they aren't. This is a test of your faith. I mean, it's not like God's told me, Michael, I'm testing your faith. But in some ways, some of the scriptures have have alluded to the fact that God does do these kind of things and that He very well may be doing this to me. But I will deliver you. I keep seeing the 777 and the 555s. God assuring me, Michael, it ain't over till I say it's over. No man can turn back what I have, my hand has set apart to do. The contentment has been so rich that there's a part of it that literally scared me about Laura. I thought, man, Lord, I've been waiting for 18 months. Why all of a sudden am I not feeling over these last couple of weeks and months? Why, do I, why am I not, I not consumed with hoping in that and thinking about her and thinking about us anymore? And why has that just become so well? There's a reason why that flame has been allowed to go down to like a pilot light. God has had other priorities for Michael Criswell. It's been so clear. I mean, this is so important for people to understand everybody wants what they want, when they want it, including me, and I've never wanted to have to wait. If there's a poster child for instant gratification, it must be me. This has taught me a level of patience that is something I never even thought was possible, that I never in a million years would have wanted to to have learned. And I just feel like it's brought everything into such a happy balance. Like, I feel like if I saw Laura, obviously I would be stirred in my heart. Obviously I would have that butterfly thing, but there's just something rich about this contentment where I would be able to just kind of relax into that. Not be so anxious and caught up. It's, God is doing this mighty good work in my heart. A solid work of His peace and of contentment. And I think that it's going to make me such a better husband and such a better man, such a better father. You know, there's so much less anxiety. I'm still a man of passion and zeal, but it's a controlled passion. It's a controlled burn. It's not this, you know, all out, all the time, anxious, go for it thing that I used to be years ago. I tell you, I am just so thankful because I have asked and prayed that God would make me in to a good man. And God is helping me prove to become that man through all of this waiting Uh, A man submitted myself to God willing to be obedient, willing to suffer, willing to have character in my life above all things by hearing how much and how long I've had to wait. You know, that's character. This is the character that I have begged the Lord for. That's my passion and my desire for people to truly believe God because He is awesome. Today is uh, the 27th of February. Had a wonderful Bible study last night about eschatology. The guys got a lot out of it and um, seemed like everybody was really encouraged. And of course, I was very encouraged. Woke up this morning feeling very tired, had a very bad headache. I woke up late. I didn't even get out of bed until, believe it or not, the clock turned to 6.16 of all things as I was stepping out of the bed. Woke up thinking about doubts. It's only 20 something days until... It's time for me to go get the children I don't have any money and I'm thinking to myself God forbid that I should have to tell them two vacations in a row that I've missed them to make it to where I went a whole year without seeing my kids and just the terror of that just kind of started to overwhelm me and so then I thought okay Do I really believe what I'm preaching here in this moment? Do I really believe that God is in control of my life? Do I really believe that He's everything that His Word says? Do I really believe that He's guiding and directing my steps? Have I so quickly forgotten what He just did two days ago when I begged Him for a sign on the mountain? I'm recording a video and I went and tried to stop the video and it wouldn't stop and it kept going and it kept going and it kept going and when it stops, the video length is 9 minutes and 19 seconds. Numbers 919. Michael Commentary. This is one of those remarkable details that was not included in the recording that you heard where I'm crying in the moment that it happens. I guess I was too emotional to have captured it. But what is so absolutely amazing about that day is I had set up, turned the camera on myself on that cliff, got out the message I wanted to get out. And when I went to stop the video the video camera would not stop it would not stop recording no matter what I tried it just kept recording and so finally I just kind of gave up I put my phone in my pocket hoping that eventually it would either run out of memory or whatever and it would stop and that's when you hear me in the recording where I say I stop on the trail to look at the video and find out that it has stopped in my pocket by itself quote unquote, by itself at nine minutes and 19 seconds. So you can see this was no coincidence that I just so happened to record a message that was nine minutes and 19 seconds long. This is clearly God intervening even in my technology, which I've seen multiple other ways and times to get this message from me in a way that I can absolutely know this is from him. I need not fear how incredible of an example that is. From all the times I've told you that I'm not as strong as you think I am, but that God has reached through in moments of desperation with this glorious divine providence and guidance and help to give me that encouragement I needed to keep going. And that was one of those. I mean, can you imagine that? Imagine you're begging God for a sign. You hit record on your video camera on your phone and it won't stop recording. You pop it in your pocket, walk a few you know, hundred feet in the woods and Open it up eventually to see if it stopped, and it had stopped at 9 minutes and 19 seconds. Hallelujah. End of commentary. Am I going to just throw all that away and put my eyes back on the circumstances, or am I going to continue to trust God even though it's difficult? I got on my knees. I confess these thoughts to the Lord. I sat down in my chair and I began to focus my thoughts back on him I began to think of Bible verses and promises he will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is steadfast because he trusts in you I began to think about all the scriptures about trusting in God and then I started going through I noticed that yesterday in the mail came a second copy of the March issue of in touch magazine I had already received two magazines at once February and March at one time a week ago and now today I notice I got a second copy of the March magazine I'm like something just said hmm I wonder if there's something in there the Lord wants me to see so I picked it up and I began to read it before I read anything else any Bible study or what have you and I don't think I got two pages in and it was talking about the the absolute cost of Giving up waiting for the Lord and trusting in the Lord and shrinking back like Esau did and giving up his birthright for a bowl of soup just to relieve his temporary pain and his temporary circumstances instead of continuing to trust God, he quits and sells the best of the best for a temporary fix. He solves his own problem and ruins his eternal destiny. One might say, oh well, this was destined to be because of Esau. Nevertheless, the principle is there for us to learn that what he did was a gigantic mistake. It was a huge mistake. So the whole passage was about persevering, and I had even thought before I started reading about 5.11 enduring. The article ends with a focus on James 5.11 and James chapter 1. Considered all joy, my brothers, when you face trials of many kinds. All about persevering testing your faith and the importance of remembering the cost how much will it cost you if you quit and take matters into your own hands and try to solve your problem even though it looks impossible it was written specifically for me to hear I continued to go through the magazine and found another really wonderful article about the passage Um, I should have it memorized where it's at it's in uh, John Chapter 12 or chapter 21, I can't remember. (laughs) Verses like, actually I think it's John 20, chapters, or verse. uh, Anyhow, this goes to show you I cannot remember and I need to know this. This is one of my memory verses that I'm struggling to remember. But it talks about, it's Jesus saying that if a grain of wheat does not fall to the ground and die. It remains a single seed. Unless it falls to the ground and dies, it remains a single seed. But if it falls and dies, it produces much fruit, many grains. And the whole message was about that part of a truth of scripture is that fruitfulness in our life comes through our death. That it's when you put a seed in the ground and it essentially dies that life comes out of it. And I just, see that that is my story so much my season it's all of our stories but that is so much my season where I have been placed into the ground I've been in this coming up on three years buried in the ground and I've just continued to die and die and die and die till there's very little of me left anymore and I barely breathe without God's permission and then God is now producing all this fruit that's around me because I'm dying, and the more I die, the more fruit that's being produced. And it was just so wonderfully encouraging. I've had two um, real big needs to minister to people this morning. I have a friend who's recently had a baby named Wes, and Wes has had a dramatic spiritual experience through this, but he's also in a situation where he's lost so much sleep and I think been under so much stress that he is starting to... um, he's starting to get overboard he's starting to act very strange and i'm just trying to minister to him and his family and help encourage him to get some rest and finding all kinds of scriptures for him to hold on to and trust and believe and i got another email that i read this morning from a lady who i've been uh, trying to minister to via email and one phone call in mississippi she's 74 years old she's uh, had all kinds of difficulties in her marriage And she has been so frustrated because her husband is so mean to her, and she has actually tried to kill him. She's gotten so frustrated at his constant remarks and belittling, and just being so mean to her that she's wanted to kill him. And she's actually stabbed him once, and um, she got a knife out in this email that she sent to me and got after him, and said, you know, she started threatening him, and she said, Michael, I feel horrible. I allowed Satan to get me again. I'm on. disciplined and I'm thinking this lady's got so much pain and I'm trying to help her The point of the story is that I asked the father this morning to increase my faith and to strengthen me God has been providing so many opportunities for me to help other people whose situations are far worse than My not being able to pay child support because God has told me to sit still and as if he wouldn't be trustworthy if he's the one that's telling me this And I know He is. He wouldn't be doing all these other unbelievable things in my life. It's extremely uncomfortable to wait this long and to go this long without being able to work and provide money or to have no donations being made. But I have to trust God. And it's coming down completely to will I trust Him when it seems completely illogical, dangerous, painful, hurtful, confusing? And the fact is, is that by God's grace, I'm continuing to trust Him. And just this morning, I have been re-strengthened in my faith. I feel filled with confidence in the Lord. And um, I'm going to just continue to wait and press. And I find that if I were to switch right now and put my eyes on the circumstances and start thinking about what I don't have and that I got 28 days until my, or 26 days until I'm supposed to be picking my kids up I don't have any money. I still can't make child support. I could end up going to Florida and they could have a warrant for my arrest for all I know. I don't have any idea and I could think about those things or I can choose to look at what God is telling me. Sit still. I woke up this morning to take up the shield of faith with which to extinguish the flaming darts of the arrow. Also I want to point out that my mother came to me again this morning said. Michael, I want to tell you about a C.S. Lewis quote. Your hero? Well, he's not my hero. He's just a guy I've read a couple of his books. And she says to me, he has a quote where he says he doesn't believe that anybody should should be in ministry without also working. That he believes that you should have to pay your own way. And she goes, and you know, you 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 should take a look at this. And I said, that's fine, mom. Everybody's entitled to their opinion. I said, I'm doing what the Lord's telling me to do. Well, I think you're here, and I think you're doing wrong. I think you are mis- you have misunderstood. Miss I think you are misguided. That's what she said. I think you are misguided. So my mom is saying that God's directions to me are wrong, or that God is impotent, and he, he he is not able to direct my path. That what the Bible says is not true about the Lord directing our path. The Bible says about him directing us by our word and speaking to those in their affliction and guiding the righteous. And making his covenant known to those who fear him, guiding their ways, all those are lies. And everything that he did with me in the divorce and ending it on the 777th day, and the 666 warnings and the 555s and all that stuff is all a complete lie. And that was just sheer coincidence. And then the fact that the story is told on page 777 of my Bible, that's all just complete coincidence. That's what I would have to believe if I believed my mother. Some of the things that my mom says are true. There are some truth, but picking one line out of the Bible or one scripture and then trying to apply it to a person and paint them with this wide paintbrush, a a blanket principle approach to a person's life that's being directed by God is so wrong to do. When you have a relationship with God, you are directed by God. Yes, he primarily uses his word, but there's going to be times when he gives you specific directions and you're responsible to obey them regardless of what well-meaning, deceived people around you think. I mean, nobody looks at the opposite of this. Everybody wants to say, oh, you have to have good counsel. Yes, you do in the beginning before you have a strong relationship with the Lord. But it's very obvious, Jesus didn't run around telling people to go hear about a bunch of people and get counsel from people. He told them to listen to the Father. Those who belong to God hear God. The reason you don't hear God is because you do not belong to Him. My sheep know my voice and they listen to me. They follow me. We don't follow Jesus by asking other people for their opinion. If you have to ask, if you're dependent upon another person to give you constant advice and direction in your life, that means you do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Period. End of story. Now, it takes time to get to that place, of course. You don't just start becoming a follower and then usually hear from him so strongly. Sometimes you need to have, sometimes you do, but sometimes you need to have other people to help you understand, all right, well, this... Take it easy, let's think about this and measure this against Scripture and so forth and so on. But you you get to a place, my experience has been, and as I think about many other people, you get to a place where you don't have to have counsel from other people about every little thing. God God is not so mysterious, His Word is not so hard to understand, and His Spirit is not so impotent that He can't communicate to you. I mean, look at what Paul says, you do not need anyone to teach you for you have received the anointing and that anointing in you is real and he will teach you talking about the Holy Spirit. So, you know, I just reject the whole idea that you don't have to just listen to God. There's a balance to it, of course, but when God has given you a direction man, what does it say to the Lord? Here's my final point before I get out of the car here. What does it say to the Lord if you get a word from the Lord and then you run around and ask everybody else, well, what do you think? What do you think? What do you think? Paul says, I did not consult flesh or blood. If he would have consulted flesh or blood after the Lord spoke to him, my goodness, what does that say to the father? It says, I don't trust you. It says that You know, I don't believe you. You're not good enough, God. I'm going to have to go see what other people say. To me, that's just as big of a whopper of a sin as, you know, not believing them all to, to begin with.
1: All right, time to go. just wanted to capture these thoughts.